on ESPN Las Vegas. On the concourse of the Thomas Mack. Yep. Adam's here. James here. Damon, nice job with the production back at the Finley Toyota Studios. Lots of basketball to get to. We're going to track down uh, one of the uh, Cam brothers, Kamenetsky brothers. Andy is going to join us. He's a big Laker guy, Laker blog, Laker podcast, host on ESPN LA. So he's up in just a little bit. A lot of important things to get to. A lot of important things to get to. A little more on the uh, big fight announcement for UFC. John Jones back as a heavyweight. Well, he'll get to uh, fight again, defend his honor against Stipe Miocic. Miocic? Miocic. Where are we going? Miocic. That'll be at MSG November 11th, we think. UFC 295. Yeah. I don't know if the date was officially set, but... And it's it's right around the 30-year anniversary exactly of the first ever UFC. All right. So. That's a good point. Yeah. All right. Brian Kilmeade. Sure, they'll do a slap fight event tonight. Brian Kilmeade announced her on that. Yeah. Going in the Wayback Machine. Fox News forever now. Then... And then trashed the sport and said, who would ever watch it? And pretended he never was part of it. Oh, yeah. come on, dude. Yeah. Um, which reminds me of an old-timey announcer who I was always intrigued by, Mike Adamley, which <laughs> we'll get to here in, in five minutes. So earlier today, they kicked things off here. Uh, you got two finals in, Pelicans and Wolves. Wolves won by 14. Nuggets fell by seven. Not that good. Not going to defend the title. That's a summer league team. Uh, 92-85. Bucks beat the Nuggets. And right now, Raptors and Bulls in the second quarter. It's 27-26. My guy, Ron Harper Jr., just made one of two free throws. Come on, Ron. Make both. Let's get it together. So your mission tonight is what, Adam? What are you covering tonight? Uh, I'm, just, I'm doing the just kind of the roundup. Uh, players of the day, who's okay. here, uh, that sort of thing. All right. And also looking for column ideas for Sunday. Always a good thing. Sure. How late in the week do you finalize your column idea? Do you Like some weeks you know, weeks ahead? Um, yeah. I mean, last week I, I did interviews for it on Friday, so I mean, I knew what I was going to do. Sometimes I wake up on Saturday morning in a panic and have to decide. Why don't you just watch Slap and that'll get you all fired up and I've you can already, write another column pounding Slap. I already wrote one. Or two, actually. All right, let's get into our frenzy. Let's do it. The 5 O'Clock Frenzy is presented by Nova Home Loans. Call 577-2600 for help in buying a new home. So it is fight week. A lot of big-name fighters on the card. Co and co-main event feature some big names. There's a uh, Mexican flair to the whole thing. And then there's a throwback. Robbie Lawler is on this card. What's happening with Robbie Lawler? Retirement bout. His last ever fight. He has been around forever. He talked about uh, being forty, you know, almost forty-two years old. He signed his first UFC contract when he was nineteen. Uh, he has been in and out of the organization a little bit, for the, but for the most part in his career, he's been in the UFC. Um, a guy who is one of, one of those fighters who has the total respect of, of all of his colleagues, guys around the sport. Uh, really, not you no, know, not a guy that's ever loved the spotlight. Didn't do a whole lot of media. Maybe could have been promoted a little more if he did but he just kind of went about his business and and worked hard and was always you know respectful and a good guy uh one of those one of those fighters who oftentimes would be friends with his opponent afterwards and before and um i think we'll leave you know, a very very significant mark on the sport as he goes away he was 
his fight one of his fights was inducted into the fight wing of the hall of fame last night so we got to enjoy that on the way out and he's guy's never really been emotional but he did come close came close to tearing up a little bit yesterday at the press conference so you know this means something to him do you remember the the fight offhand or am i catching you uh, it was rory mcdonald fight the second oh, that one. Was i think good. the second one he had a lot of yeah a lot of fights like that because that's his fight style he's For just sure. he's a he's a banger brawler yep 41 years old what's his overall record it's 29 wins 16 losses right sounds like oh not that good but you, you realize he went in and he's one of these guys that the organization was built on go and throw yeah. go and battle you know don't freaking counter punch and the a great majority of his fights were against top level competition and you're gonna have you're gonna have some losses in there now i was looking back at his ledger my god he's been around forever i know and part of it is because he started at a super he's super young age his first the first professional fight on a wiki list is all the way back to 2001 so we're talking at that point the guy is 19 years old he fought in ufc at ufc 37 in 2002. Yeah, and, and uh, the idea of how long he's been around the sport was uh, really driven home by a story he told of uh, when he went to sign his first UFC contract. Uh, the offices, I don't even think it was the offices on Sahara that people might know of. There was the, a, the old a, Gordon Beers building? There was a little side building next to it Yeah, uh, where they were kind of in a, in a closet. Yeah, He said there was four employees at the UFC at the time, and they were all in the office when he went in there to sign. <laughs> Uh, then they moved into the bigger building, and now they, they are a global empire, obviously, headquartered over uh, in southwest Las Vegas. So the, the sport has grown completely in the time that he's been here, and he's been a part of a large part of all of that. Yeah, some of his early fights, Robbie Lawler with his farewell fight on this UFC card. Some of his early fights include names like Tiki. He was 7-0 wow. at that point. He fought Pete Spratt, which is an old name. Yeah. Do you remember all these people now? Oh yeah, you have to. You, uh, sometimes I got to look them up, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Chris Lytle, who was another you know gamer banger, could wrestle, but usually just bang. He had a Nick Diaz fight. Evan Tanner, who actually passed away. Yeah. How long ago? How long has Evan Tanner been gone? Probably ten years. Yep. I, I freaking loved interviewing Evan Tanner because he was so quirky. Well, he was I, such he was such an interesting guy. Yeah, uh, I was. I was going to say a couple of my. Memories of Robbie Lawler. One was an interview. I, he's always been fun to interview because he he's very respectful, but he just does, he doesn't have time for kind of stu- stupidity and yeah. he just kind of answers. And he was asked one time. Uh, there was a, about three or four reporters around him. I was I was there, and one of the guys asked him, "You know, who's your ideal opponent? Like, what what kind of style do you really like to go against?" Yeah. Um, and Robbie Lawler thought about it and dead seriously said, "I guess it would be a guy with no arms or legs." So you really can't throw anything back at you. You can just beat him up, right? And and he, everybody laughed, and he was just kind of like, "What? That's, that's yeah." You want to know my ideal opponent? That's you, it. You want an answer or not? Um, there also was a, a, a great moment where uh, he was he was not at the press conference, and uh, a colleague of, of mine who you know also around town, Case Kiefer, thought he was on stage and asked a question to somebody else who looked like Robbie Lawler, which was one of my favorite moments in UFC history. So that is a related Robbie Lawler oh boy. type story. But uh, I, I will say I think my favorite memory of Robbie Lawler during his time, um, he was – there was a basketball court at one of the one of the fighter hotels, and I, I happened to be staying there also. And I went up to get some shots in on the day of a fight that I was covering. And uh, Robbie Lawler was there too, and uh, we got we were in a 21 game, playing, playing a little 21 on the day of a fight Uh-oh. Uh, with Robbie Lawler. Do you feel it coming, DeMond? Do you feel it coming? Is this going to be a humble brag? 
Adam oh. Hill <laughs> versus Robbie Lawler, professional athlete. Well, Robbie, by the way, by Robbie the way, referred to me as the as the monster. By the way, <laughs> if, if if you didn't win, I'm embarrassed for you. Well, there was he wasn't just us two. It's 21, so it's a bunch of people. That's a good point. Who else was in it that was formidable? Uh, there was a couple agents, and like it was not. You won. You didn't win. Did he win? Of course I won. Of course you won. Of course, of course I won. Okay. What are you talking about? I wasn't gonna say. I wasn't gonna talk about the outcome. Was he decent? Yeah, he actually. The, he a nice little shot. Yeah. A lot of uh, a lot of off the backboard because we also very wait. physical. Yes, I would assume. Yeah. Wait, makes off the backboard. He liked to use the backboard. On purpose? Yeah. I like that. That's a Midwestern old guy. Yes. Yeah. I don't. I really. I don't shoot anything now. I don't really play basketball. I just have a. That's a, a regulation size basket in my pool. That's how wrestlers play basketball, by the way. But no, the glass is where it's at. I actually, I think to myself, I'm like, I actually do, in my mind, I do kids these days. Because they don't use the glass? Yeah, I'm like, anything inside of 13 well, feet did, on an angle, use the G damn glass. You got, a, you got a silky jumper, though. You just drop it short, in. Short shots, not like, not off the glass. Come on! It deadens the ball. Hey, look, I I've, think you can be less accurate if you, you still make it. If you need the backboard, I don't fault you for Good it. For Some Robbie of us Lawler. can actually shoot. No, actually, I don't think you can make it off the backboard. That's the problem. Of course I could. No, you can. Of course I could. No, you also, that's, how I, guys, that's how I play Papa Shot. You guys want to know about my basketball skills? Ask James you don't behind have you. basketball skills. Ask James behind you. I mean, I, when I was with the remote techs, and I schooled them a little bit, James can contest. You all know, right, you know. all right, all right, man. I, I think he's lying. It, it wasn't... It wasn't all that. Yeah, I know I didn't lose. <laughs> wow. Teams twenty one. I didn't way, lose nothing. Uh, you, you, you're way too muscled up. All right, there's no yeah. flexibility left. That's come on. You're you're Sandy Lyle from uh, Long Came Polly. Yeah, that's true. You're you're just breaking the backboard. We'll see. We'll have to have a challenge. All we do is we throw out challenges, and then we all just get older on the show, and we're like, I can't. Oh, my back, I can't do it. I'll, I'll, I'll I play I don't, I don't know if I told you. Uh, and Damon is just uh, around us recently. I've had multiple cases where hosts, because they try to, it's not. This is not a challenge. Like today, I've been energetic, but not my normal self because I'm sitting. And I, you know what? I, I actually I should just buy a mic stand, like a like a concert mic stand, and stand the entire show. But I think it would make you uncomfortable. Sitting. It'll make everybody walking by uncomfortable. Too. It will. It'll look weird. Um, but I, I actually did have two shows. In studio or at the uh, Battleborn Studios, where I stand, you know I stand all the time. And at the end of the show, both guys were like, uh, like stretching in the five o'clock hour. I'm like, I'm sorry, man. You do what you need to do. That sure. is the that is the height of my athletic prowess now at this age. Stand I can for the show. I can stand for an entire mm-hmm. show. It's it's actually kind of pathetic. Now that said, so I'm not a great athlete. I always consider myself middle of the pack. I, I know in most in most groups, most dudes are not nearly the athlete they say they are, and they have no versatility. True. Like they they may they might be good at something, but they like like if they're good at basketball, they can't they probably can't do a racket or bat sport, right? Like Charles Barkley is the ultimate. Charles sure. Barkley was an NBA player, and his hand eye, just the whole body motion sucks. He's gotten a little better at golf, but the funny thing with Charles is. He comments on every other sport like he was a pro athlete, and he he probably can't beat the average Joe at most things, right? So I consider myself kind of in the middle of the pack, and that's why I love the show 
American Gladiators so much. Because I, I always love the image of the big muscle guy and then go, all right, let's go play real sports. Maybe that don't take pure physicality. Now, there were, there were events in American Gladiators where, like, you had to be freaking strong. Although the, the football event, if you're a little bit shifty, you could get by those guys because they were heavily roided up. Sure. And some of them were inflexible. The funny thing is, and the reason we're talking about this, there is a Netflix documentary. I know there's another one. But I started to watch the Netflix documentary on American Gladiators. I was going to watch it, but you recommended it. I know DeMond got into it. I, as I watched it, I forgot how much I loved that friggin' show. The best. Because they had to work out the kinks early, and the first couple of seasons, the contenders who were in it were kind of big, too. And if you don't know what the, the concept of the Gladiators was, because it was 89 to 96, it, were, it was all these buff women and men, and some of them had like real good athletic backgrounds. Yeah. I didn't realize how many had played, had a cup of coffee in the NFL, uh, what's two, two were replacement players. Yeah, Jim Starr and the other guy Nitro. They were buddies, but they played. Nitro. They played. I I I I got a real kick out of that guy because his honesty. Because all he talks about are steroids. Yeah. And hey, he did them. They all did them. Yeah. They all. It, they, I could do this for hours, Damon. I'm. I got. I got so fired up. I was watching with my girlfriend. And she's like, "Oh, you really like the show, huh?" And she she had not watched it. I'm like, "You never watched American Gladiators? That's wild. It's freaking awesome." So what do you think, Damon? I thought it was awesome, too. When Adam was first talking about it, I was like, oh, man, two documentaries on the same subject yep. that both came out recently. I was like, ah, maybe it's a little overkill. But I watched the entire thing. I want to say, what was that? Adam, what was that? Did you want to show Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday yeah. night, I watched the entire series. Look you, can't, you. you can't stop. Yeah. It's great. I mean, Nitro was amazing, the honesty. I slid in the DMs. I was like, hey, man, what you doing? You want to come on the show? I mean, he didn't wow. respond. Did you, did you say, the monster here? Maybe he would have respected me more. He might have. He might have. You have to have a nickname like he does, like Nitro. Uh, I also, I, I'd forgotten some certain great moments of like when, uh, I think, was it him or somebody else that got a concussion and he's just kind of laying there and the, the contender gets like 10 baskets in a row. Yep. He's just running back and but forth. Like he's, to stop. he's knocked out. I also, I don't remember because I, I watched the competition, but I didn't process that human cannonball thing. Like how, what a disadvantage, even, you know, these guys who are 235 to 290 pounds of gladiators, what a disadvantage they were at and how vicious that sport was. Oh, yeah. Because it wasn't just, there were guys standing on pedestals, they, they have a pad, they're big dudes, but eventually the contestants figured out that they would almost not overrule anything. So you would go in and just kick them in the face, throw an elbow to their chops. Sure. I mean, they, you, they, you they, knocked, they knocked a guy off the show. The guy Malibu was so messed up. They knocked him off. He sucked. I have a lot more problems with that. Yeah. He, they knocked him off the they, show. They would treat the, the gladiators on the platform like the contenders were Victor Wembenyana's security, and the, the gladiator was Britney Spears. Dude, That's I, what they were doing. I loved that show. And then as it, it went along... They, the Eliminator? They, well, the reason, no, the reason that I really got into it, and I hadn't realized the beginning of it was like Big V Big... Then they started to go and make sure that the contenders, the average Joe, was smaller. But then they also, I think, kind of messed up because then they were bringing in contenders. The, the one lady was an Olympian heptathlete. Yeah. Heptathlete? Yeah. Like, well, that's not fair. You've got a bodybuilder. again. But that's actually why I like the show because I always looked at the bodybuilders. I'm like, these are inflexible, like, bully jackasses. Let's go. You well, know, a, a small athlete can outsmart them and beat them at a lot of stuff. 
But you also mentioned the fact that, you know, a couple of the, the gladiators were athletes. And I just think, thinking back without knowing anything, when I watched the show when I was little, I just assumed that the gladiators were all great athletes. And then it turns out, as we just mentioned, like some of them were. And some of them were not because Malibu had nothing. No. Some of them were just roid they, guys. They, and they said right, a, look. right away, like the first time he took a hit, they were like, oh, no, this guy has nothing. Yeah. He was blinking a lot is what Nitro said. <laughs> That's what <laughs> Nitro said. His eyes. said if he, t- if you, uh, he saw someone take a hit and they started blinking and they shy away from contact, <laughs> they were dead meat. So a couple of things I loved in the documentary. And I, I swear when I heard this was coming out uh, three weeks ago, I started trying to look up my favorite contestant of all time. And my favorite contestant of all time was this dude, and I want to get his name right. This is why I couldn't find him. Because I thought his first, I, I, I don't know why, I thought his, his first name was like Cleveland. But it was actually a guy named Eldon Kidd. Okay. And, but, I, but I remember him because he, he wasn't a bodybuilder, but he, he was like 6'4". And he also had premature gray. He was 36 years old, and he had this gray hair, and he talked like a country bumpkin. He was completely playing in them. His family's in the stands, and I'm like, this guy's awesome. But he was like 6'4", 230. When you watch the special, he's 68 now. Did you, did you look at him? Right? Well, you, you, pa- him you passed me. That's oh, right. we, were texting, we were texting oh, about, the, about the, uh, the episodes last night, and then you started okay. texting about an episode that I hadn't got to okay, yet. I don't, I, like, ru- oh, no. I, I don't want to ruin it. No, it's fine. But the, the look of this guy, he so looked like the average Joe. But he was 6'4", 230. They show him now at 68, and I swear to God, his hands are like Kawhi Leonard's. I don't know why that meant. I was like, Jesus, this guy was big. And he, I think he was, not weight-wise, but bigger than every person. And I, I, won't, ruin, I won't ruin it. No, okay. But the way he talked now, oh, the show meant something to him. It meant a lot to him. Well, that, was, that was the peak of his life. I think that guy did a lot that the story didn't come out on him. But uh, And the other cool thing I got a kick out of is, and this is the guy we got. I would love to get Nitro on, Damon. The other guy we got to get on is Joe Theismann. I forgot that Joe Theismann announced on the show. Yeah. Do, do you guys have any? I don't know if Damon was that into it about the announcers. Uh, Todd Christensen was on there. Yep. And I'll tell you, when Todd Christensen talked to the athletes, there was a confidence and almost kind of looking down on them, which I always thought was weird because he was every bit as big of them, as, as big as them. But Todd Christensen was also one of the great tight ends of the year. Like, like these guys play. They, they got a cup of coffee yeah. in the NFL, the Gladiators. This guy was arguably the best tight end in football, second or third his whole career. You know, rest in peace. But he And he was cocky, too. He was cocky. But the other guy that fascinated me was Mike Adamley was on the show. And I don't know if you guys know who Mike Adamley is. Sure. So Mike Adamley would do interviews, and I'm like, man, he's kind of being a smartass. Especially with Malibu, because I think he looked at the guy Malibu as like just an airhead muscle guy. Did you kind of absorb that part at all, Damon? The guy Mike Adamley, or was it just kind of like passing? He was the short guy who was doing interviews. I noticed it a little bit, not so okay. much of what you were picking up on, but I mean, well, you know, I was here for the gladiators. The thing is, I, I remembered him and I knew about him. He was a longtime college football announcer, too. But he's, he's 5'9. He's still alive. I don't know what he's doing now. Um, and on the show, he probably, you know, he looked a little portly. So, you know, I, maybe at a young age I connected with that, right? Uh, but he looked like he weighed like 220, 230. But the thing with Mike Adamley was he's talking to these big muscle guys. Mike Adamley also played seven years in the NFL as a running back. Yeah. And was awesome at Northwestern. So I just like, I know I get into certain things, and I'm a, you know, a broadcast, you know, big broadcast fan. Like, I always got a kick out of that. that he's talking to these huge, 
these huge guys all juiced up, and he's like, I don't care. Do you know who I am? You know what I did? I played six, seven years in the NFL, and I was a star in the Big Ten, so. Yeah, I'm sure he was probably like, I could probably beat all of you guys in all these stupid competitions. I don't know if he could at that age. Maybe he could, but I mean, his hate, and his hate, if you can play running back in the NFL. He would have won assault. Uh, and then the, the show itself was just, I forgot how the, the categories, how rudimentary it was when they first started. Um, I highly recommend it. You know, if you have, you have no idea what we're talking about, it's great. And then I also did not remember, because at the time I'm, whatever, 20 to 26 years old, I do not remember a bunch of people going, this is trash TV. Like, it's a competition with a bunch of muscly yeah. people. I'm like, this is a sport. This is awesome. Do you think that was weird? That, that that part ruined television. Off. Like that, what? It was like it was like a Ted Koppel on like Nightline. I was yeah. like, what? What what is, what is the problem? Now I will say, I get it. Like the early part, the early you know first half of season one, as they call it, like it looked ridiculous. Yeah. It was terrible. No, there was no medical. They, they just got, they were getting hurt all the time. It looked it looked very amateur, but they figured it out. Nova Home Loans has ways to save you thousands of dollars that you can put towards buying down the interest rate or help with your closing costs on a new home. Call today to find out if you qualify. 702-577-2600. Denver, a loser earlier. Julian Strother, Vegas dude, Gonzaga. He had 15 points in the game. Shot 3-9 from 3. A little deeper now. A little deeper now. Uh, Peyton Watson led the way out of UCLA. 23 for the Nuggets. A uh, game going on right now. Come on, scoreboard update. Let's go. Uh, Rockets and Blazers. Have you checked this one, Adam? No. Rockets, Blazers. H-Town, 65-64 over Portland. And uh, Scoot, aggressive. 5 of 13, 15 points, 5 rebounds. Six assists, two turnovers, 21 minutes. So, solid. I, I thought it might be better because I actually saw some people saying, wow, Jordan really messed up that pick. I was like, already? <laughs> Pretty surprising. 65-64, Houston on top in that one. Uh, where's KD? Is he going to show up here? Or is he uh, pretty much inundated by his threads accounts? I think he's uh, he's bouncing them all out. I think he's he's going through much like we've had to do the last couple of days and kind of cultivating his feed a little bit, deciding who to follow, who should follow him. It's very important. He's a big social media guy, as we know. Why, why does he do this? He floated he it out there. Is he trolling us on this one? He floated it out there and said, uh, I have a Threads account. Try to find me. So he's, he's telling people to go ahead and try to, try to check it out. Uh, coming up next, we're going to go down to L.A., talk to one of the Kamenetsky brothers. Andy's going to join us. We'll talk about the uh, Lakers summer league roster, but more importantly, what they just did the last two weeks during the offseason. A lot of Laker fans are super pleased about what they did this offseason. Oh, boy. Crowd's building, man. There's a lot of people hanging out in the concourse, a lot more in Thomas and Mac proper. They have games over at Cox Pavilion as well. Scoot Henderson's playing right now, but uh, the big ticket item today is Weminyama against Brandon Miller, San Antonio against Charlotte, and Wemby was allowed to play. No arrest over at Aria. Actually, where was the restaurant you were talking about? Uh, I th- thought I thought it was at Resorts World, but I wasn't sure. Okay. So everything's good right now. Yep. Met- Metro said no charges. Plus, he didn't do the, he didn't do the backhanded the, swipe anyway. Yeah, it was Spurs security, not Wemby. Uh, Lakers play later on, summer league team, against Golden State. Andy Kamenetsky 
and his brother do a wonderful job covering him. You hear him on ESPN LA. They've got uh, Locked On Lakers as well. How are you, sir? Good. How are you guys? We're good. Have you been out to the Summer League before? It's been probably a decade, but yeah, I have been. And for anybody who hasn't, assuming you've got the means and you've got the time, highly recommended. It is like it's like Lollapalooza or Coachella, but for basketball. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's really fun. That's crazy. It's a it's a more chill atmosphere. Uh, there are stars walking all over the place. I always call it a a basketball convention, and now it's become an international basketball convention. It was a brilliant idea by the NBA, and let, you know, let's be honest, those of us on the ground here in LA or in LA in Vegas also know that the fact that the NBA cozied up to Vegas with the summer league and the NBA All Star Game is a lot of the reason, or some of it, that the door was broken down for NHL eventually, the Raiders, maybe the A's down the road. It was a big deal back in the day. Yeah, we, we all in LA think about the Bronx future NBA team that everybody seems to think is going to be in Las Vegas. You know, it, it's it's once, like you said, it's not even just the the summer league, but just the walls came down for sort of the taboo that was associated with sports gambling, and, and I'm glad to see it happen. It opened up the idea of professional sports in Las Vegas, which makes so much sense because both as an American destination like a worldwide tourist place there's just there's a lot of potential I asked a question to the audience a couple weeks ago if LeBron is part of an ownership group and Shaq is part of an ownership group and one of them is going to get the Vegas team which would the fans go with and uh, I mean it was a very informal poll but a lot of people were on the side of Shaq are you surprised by that no, he's, he's got longer association with the Lakers, and Las Vegas is very much a Laker town. And, you know, LeBron has a championship, and they just went to the Western Conference Finals, and I, I think, and I think we'll talk about it, they're in a decent position to try to make another good playoff run. But he's got a long way to go before potentially ingratiating himself among Laker fans and, and Laker history the way Shaq did. Andy Kamenetsky, one of the Kamenetsky brothers. By the way, do you hate getting reintroduced like that? Like you're, you're, you're always tied to your brother? I, I don't know if I'd want that. Well, I mean, it's if, if it were a different brother, maybe I'd hate it less. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, with, with, with Brian, it is quite a burden. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> All right. I, don't, I was... I don't want to give out too much, too much information. My younger brother, yes. Older brother, I don't... Uh, we get along. But he's, he's, yeah, yeah he's, he's younger than me. Obviously, it's been a partnership that's gone on about a decade and a half, so yeah. you know, we've managed to make it work, get along reasonably well. So give me a, a grade on the Lakers offseason. I would give it, I would say, somewhere between a B-plus and an A-minus. You know, it, it was hard for them, I think, I would say the, the only reason I wouldn't give it an A, like a straight A, is because they, they didn't make themselves a rung or two definitively better than they were at the end of the Western Conference Finals. The flip side, though, and this is why I don't dock much from that, I don't think they were in a position to make themselves that much better. You know, they, they didn't have enough cap space for that type of move. They didn't have enough assets to swing a really radical trade. But I think they did about as good a job as possible of avoiding the worst possible outcome for this offseason, which is get worse. They did not get worse, and I think they actually got incrementally better. So B-plus at the lowest, A-minus at the highest. 
Is there is there a move that you think was the most important that they made? Um, you know, it's interesting. I mean, outside of retaining Austin Reeves, retaining Rui Hachimura, retaining D'Angelo Russell, I would say in that order. And they were all very important, but all three were very expected. Like, there was no real surprise with any of those three. I would say maybe Tory and Prince. You know, Gabe Vincent got the longer contract, the more expensive contract, and I and he may end up on a minute-by-minute minute basis with a larger role, but I think Tory and Prince gives them both the outside shooting that they lacked last season, but also some of the, the length and size at either forward position. You know, the, the team is still lacking some size at the five spot, and I think they'd like to be a bigger team than they currently are, but they are much bigger, much longer than they were certainly at the beginning of last season, I think by the time the playoffs ended. And Torian Prince gives them some optionality on both sides of the ball at the three and the four, maybe even the two if they had to. And I, I think he's going to fly under the radar a little bit, but I, I think he actually was a sneaky, important signing. Talking Lakers offseason, I mean, it was quick. But effective, they retained a bunch of dudes and also brought in some important elements with free agents. So I saw you on social media, and we're talking to Andy Kamenetsky. I saw you talking about D'Angelo Russell before he had signed. What was a lot of the fan feedback on whether the Lakers should bring him back? Very, very mixed. Um, yeah. You know, D'Angelo's been a very polarizing player his whole career, including the time he was with the Lakers um, when, when they drafted him. And... He, I thought the first two rounds of the playoffs on balance, he was good. And he had a couple of great games and a couple of very important games. He was flat out terrible in the Western Conference Finals. Like, there's no way to sugarcoat it. And that was his last memory. And I think a lot of Laker fans have not let that memory go. I also think a lot of them were viewing him through the lens of somebody making 30 plus million a season which I, I kept trying to explain to Laker fans, whether over Twitter at Cam Brothers or in the comment section of the Lockdown Lakers YouTube channel, D'Angelo Russell's not getting $30 million a year if they re-sign him. Like there, there is no team in the league, there's no, there's no occupation on this planet that's going to pay D'Angelo Russell $30 million. So that's not a thing. Like You don't need to worry about that. I think now you should be evaluating through the prism of a guy that makes... 18 million a season, which obviously is, you know, it's a nice salary, but it's not astronomical by NBA standards. And I think people need to accept that he's a flawed player, and some of those flaws can become magnified. I think the deeper you go into the playoffs, but he's also a very good player. And they need his scoring, they need his playmaking, they need his outside shooting. You know, he it was very important that they brought him back. So I was glad that they did. Uh, you mentioned the flaws, and yeah, again, I had the impression of the Western Conference Finals where I was like, God, this guy is just a knucklehead at times. He can't be trusted. Do you think, it's a weird way to tie it all together, do you think the fact that he didn't potentially stick to his guns and say, you know what, screw it, I'm going to go somewhere, doesn't matter where it is, I want to make 25, I want to make 30, I want to make $35 million. Do you think the fact that he took the amount he took kind of shows a maturation that uh, you know what, I want to be with a winning team and I want to get better? Because that's a big thing for me, is just grow up a little bit. Uh, I mean, I would like to think that he grew up, but I don't think it's maturation because there's no offer. 
Like, there's, again, I, I can't emphasize this enough. There is no team in the league that was going to give him right. even $25 million, much less 30 Like, I, I frankly would have been very surprised if he managed to get 20 a season, like 20 annually. I would have been pretty shocked. And, and the, the market for him wasn't going to be massive anyway, just because there are a lot of teams that are set at point guard. Like, but even if he had played well in the Western Conference Finals, the fact that he played badly kind of solidified that. So on the Summer League roster, and I, I'm not even sure how much you guys are talking about Summer League and how important it is for the Lakers. Oh, we have been. Yeah. Absolutely, we have been. I mean, I, I think the Lakers have done a brilliant job mining the, you know, the Summer League-type player and getting those guys on the roster uh, and becoming productive players. Are there a couple of guys you're going to be watching and going, hey, this guy could be a contributor down the road? This is important that they show out well at the Summer League? The most important guy in the Summer League for the Lakers right now is Max Christie, and it's not even close. Like, Jalen hood Shafino, obviously there are stakes to him just because they drafted him 17th overall. He's the highest draft pick they've had in a while. But I'm not sure how much he's going to play this season. Anyway, I think he'll get some run, but I don't think he is necessarily penciled in for a, a significant role, and that's fine. He's a one-and-done you know, just-turned-20-year-old player. Max Christie, I think they actually have earmarks for rotation minutes. Um, I like a lot of what we saw from him in the first few months of the season last year. I thought he improved tremendously from last year's summer league, which, frankly, he looked awful in, to just the preseason, much less the regular season. He has, he has done so far in the summer league exactly what you want from a second-year player, which is look like one of the best players on the court in every game he's been in. And he's looked really good, and I think that's important. Like Colin Castleman, I think that's a nice moment, and you know, they're two-way center. There could be a possibility of, of him maybe getting some minutes with the big club, and Jalen Huchifino looked much better in game two than game one. But the guy that really matters in this is Max Christie, and so far I think he's looked quite good. Andy Kamenetsky is on Cofield and Company, ESPN Las Vegas. He's on ESPN LA as a host. Tell people where they can find your uh, most voluminous stuff on uh, social media in terms of Twitter and the podcast. Okay, well, I, I don't know what voluminous means, so I'm just going to guess. Um, <laughs> I misused it. You can, <laughs> you can follow us on Cam Brothers uh, on Twitter, at Cam Brothers, K-A-M Brothers. You can also subscribe to the Locked on Lakers podcast uh, anywhere you get podcasts there's no paywall you know, go to Spotify go to uh, iTunes wherever you can also subscribe to the YouTube channel uh, you can subscribe to both uh, preferably subscribe to both um, and we appear pretty frequently on 710 ESPN in Los Angeles or uh, sometimes do some work on Spectrum Sports and at the Lakers uh, television partner last one I got a minute left is Bryce Hamilton, you know, we're keeping an eye on him as a UNLV guy, and he's an L.A. area guy, and he had some monster efforts, uh, improved his three-point shooting. Is he an NBA player? I'm going to be totally honest. I don't know who that is. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I he's been, he, I don't know who that is. He played, for, <laughs> yeah, he played for the South Bay Lakers, uh, UNLV guy, big scorer. And, uh, he had How some much did he play that? He played on the South Bay Lakers last year? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I so. don't. I 
wow, yep. this is embarrassing. I don't no, remember don't, him. Don't, don't, don't worry. Maybe, maybe I have my facts wrong and I have the wrong, the wrong uh, uh, G no, League affiliation. No, 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 no. no. Um, you are correct. I'm, I'm going right now, quick yeah. look. And yeah. no, yeah, I really should know he is. The average almost 15 points a game, four rebounds, two assists. Yeah. He looks great, guys. <laughs> he looks really, really good. Almost thirty-nine percent from from behind the arc, fifty percent, fifty-one percent from the field. There you go. He's amazing. Like you, you'd be an idiot to sleep on this guy. He's awesome. There you go. Next time I'll give you a heads up. We're going to mention him, uh, Andy. I appreciate it. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for thanks for stepping up on short notice. Have a great weekend. <laughs> no worries. Thanks, guys. That's awesome. G League is tough, man. It is. And what Bryce did was pretty impressive, but he's got to get better. I think he's got to play some point. Um, but that number, that 39% from behind the arc, was pretty impressive. And he had multiple 30-point games. Now back to Cofield and Company. Live from NBA Summer League at the Thomas and Matt. Thomas and Matt. On ESPN Las Vegas. All right, the intensity is building. Here at the Summer League, we got Wemby. Making his debut, Spurs taking on Brandon Miller and the Hornets. Mark McMillan is one of the stars out here, dude. I'm intense, and I'm like in a zone. I'm, you know, <laughs> we're like we're coming up at the end of the show. We got five minutes left. So I'm like, all right. And uh, Mark's getting ready to come on, and and he's like, oh, what do you want me to stand? I'm like, yeah. He's like, can I have a sheet? I'm like, oh man, I'm sorry. I, I, but we've been doing this so, so long. I would think that you hooked your boy up. Man. I that know. got me standing, I, man. Like I know. you know, it, it's 110 degrees outside. I'm trying to sit down and chill with my man Adam. By the way, <laughs> we have so much to get into, and Mark's going to be on on a regular basis uh, once football's around. And by the way, football essentially is you know late July. Uh, we had a question yesterday. Yesterday was National Fried Chicken Day. Ooh, and, oh, and and I I made a list of everyone on the show and who could actually make fried chicken, not the contributors, like the actual company members, because I knew if I put you on there, you're, you're one of the top guys. <laughs> you're going to kill us. Um, I ranked Damon oh. seventh. Okay. Seventh? And well, he's I, a brother. I, a brother exactly, got to be all, Exactly. That was the thing. I couldn't win either way. I'm about to take his chicken if, car. If I, put, if I put him number one, I was guessing. If I put him number one, everyone would have been like, oh, okay, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. So I made Willie number one, and then Demond's like, "No, man." Will, did, did Willie pay for that number one spot? Oh, believe me, no, uh, he didn't. That's that's out of respect. Then JVT trashed Willie because we saw <laughs> Willie uh, making a, a ribeye the other day. Yeah, I didn't like, want to come. On, I didn't want to comment on his ribeye. I was like, "Uh oh." I, I didn't want to comment on the ribeye. It was you got to comment. It, it was the, it was too done. It is too long. You cooked the ribeye too long. You got to get the pan piping hot. Before you put the grill, before you put the steak in, the, he had a lot of butter. He put a whole but he put a whole stick of butter in there. I was like, bro, he about to clog up his arteries. But Willie's my guy. But he put too much butter, and you got to get the pan piping hot before you put the steak in the pan. He didn't even you, use you, an air fryer. By the way, you were you were last. <laughs> That's a good line. You were last. Yeah. And I know you're not going to get mad at that. And Demon, what did I say about the steak yesterday? I know almost nothing about cooking. I actually said that I was like. <laughs> the char on the steak wasn't good because you could tell the pan wasn't hot enough. Yeah, yes. that was the main critique there. And the, the, we got Grilling McMillan to verify. Yes, yes. We I'm, are now effed <laughs> when I play this back for him. Oh, Willie's going to be, gonna be, so be, oh, gonna be pissed off. He's gonna be so I'm also, also going to make the case that I wouldn't be last only because I wouldn't, I don't believe I can do it. I think everybody else will just do it. We'd be bad. I would. I would literally just watch a YouTube video and follow exactly what it told me to do. Yeah, you might. You might be better off by doing that. That's but what at least I'm saying. You know your pan will be hot before you put it in yeah. there, and you're not going to put a whole pound of butter. 
if it tells me to, I will. But I don't it, know any better. It's not going to tell you a pound of butter. And <laughs> I don't then know he put the, he put the, I think it was like some thyme. He put it on top of the steak first. You got to put the butter in there, get the juices flowing. Then you put the thyme in there with the butter. That's where you start basting. I swear. So the, pro- the process was, he had the right mindset for the process, but he didn't execute the process. This was not the intent of our four minutes. But I love you, I- Willie. <laughs> Where have you been? Like, everywhere. Oh, you man. were cooking everywhere. After, after your reality show with Gordon Ramsay, it's, you're everywhere. I, I've been all over, man. I was just in uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Uh, we did a uh, cooking segment where we cooked for, like, over 100 people uh, with some of the cast members from Next Level Chef. Uh, I've been back and forth to Philly. I go back to Philly again this week, next week, uh, to do another cooking segment as well. Just came back from Evil Pie, like, an hour ago. Uh, so we're going to be launching a barbecue brisket pizza with my sweet heat barbecue sauce on. It's going to benefit the St. Jude's Children's Ranch. So we haven't had a chance to talk a whole lot, and I, really, I literally have like 30 seconds left. I apologize. Um, where are you going to be for football? You're going to have like activations all over the country. Are you going to be in Vegas? <laughs> I'll, I'll be in Vegas, man. So you guys just see me. I'm, well, I'm excited. Sunday, Sundays, right? Sundays, Sundays I'll be with uh, 8 News Now. 8 News Now again. So, so they, invited me back. they invited me back. Can you believe that? I believe it. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, you've blown up. Um, well, that's good. That means you're going to be around, hopefully, on fr- you know some Fridays and Saturdays too. I'll be so here we'll Fridays and Saturdays. Excited for you on the football, so I'll be at the games as well, hanging out with you. Twenty seconds left. What do you think you're going to see with this seven-five kid? Uh, athleticism. Um, hopefully, you know he can stand upright. But the crowd is going to go nuts. I'm excited to see the young man play as well. So this is my first G, you know, summer league. So I'm excited. Uh, the crowd is excited. So we're we're ready, baby. Good to see you, dude. There he is, Grillin McMillan. Adam, thank you. James, great job here. By the way, check out James' video that he put up on ESPN Las Vegas. That was awesome, and really good week, Damon. Really good week. Strong stuff. Bunch of videos out over the weekend up on, I can't even name all the places anymore, Facebook and Twitter, and we'll try to get some stuff up on threads. And it's coming. We're working on it. We had uh, we had videos all, all day long today, so really good lineup, too. We appreciate it. Hopefully you guys get a chance to come out to the Summer League over the weekend. We'll see you.